And we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. And this, and today I am not flying solo. Uh, got the old, <clears throat> the old brain trust with me here. Um, Chase Taylor joined us, our head of research. And a uh, little more, little more eventful day. Uh, markets haven't been boring at all. I mean, it's been crazy. Um, but we'll give you a recap here on the indexes. Uh, NASDAQ finished, let's see here. NASDAQ down just shy of 1%, down 0.96. Uh, Dow Jones down 250 points or 0.75. S&P down 0.85. What's interesting to me on these levels, Chase, is that it looks like all of these indexes are pushing really key levels on a technical basis here. 4,200 has really been a line in the sand for the S&P. You're still, what would that be? You're still about 2% away from that line on the S&P. What are you about three? It looks like you're about 3% away from that really critical level on NASDAQ at 12.7, uh, Russell is sitting on it. Russell's below its key level as of today. It took out it took out the recent low, so it's very ugly. And there's just nothing below that level either. Yeah, it's a long way down. Yeah, that's ugly looking. Uh, I don't look at technicals on the Dow. Do you? I I don't. I don't even I, look at the Dow. Yeah, I don't even look at the Dow. Uh, it always is funny to me when people cite the Dow. They're like, "Yeah, well, the Dow was up," and I'm like, "I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even watch it." Um, anyway, interesting stuff today. Um, intraday volatility continues to be a story. Um, oil traded as much as down 1.1%, I think was the lowest level I saw on it. It finishes up 2.5. NASDAQ was up as much as 50, 60 bips in the morning session. Wasn't it? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, finishes down one. What 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 do you make of intraday volatility here? I, I'm inclined to think it's just another symptom of what we were talking about the other day. And it was actually your, your your term or your words, but just the market has no idea what to do. That kind of feels like what's going on to me. Yeah, I mean, and that's why like the two year was down six basis points just because Powell said some stuff like because it doesn't know what to think, so it's just kind of being led around. By every piece of news, every data point, um, but I think the intraday vol combo of, of the market doesn't know which way to go, and at least for the last few weeks, uh, options dealers were in negative gamma, uh, which just means whenever something starts to move, they kind of have to chase it in that direction. So you end up with kind of bigger swings in both directions because they can't pin it down the way they normally can. I'm not sure if we were in negative gamma today, but if we were, that would or close to it, that would help explain some of it. But a lot of this today, I mean. Big headlines from central bank speeches, biggest one obviously being Jay Powell, and then um, pl- some geopolitical fireworks to go along with it. Yeah. Not to mention earnings fireworks. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the market's response to some of these earnings. It just, you and I were having this discussion earlier today. It, what it, fe- and I don't know this to be the case. I mean, I've seen some individual data points that seem to back this up, but, but, you know, don't, don't take this to the bank. It feels to me like retail buying is keeping this thing afloat at this point. And when I say afloat, I don't think we're on the cusp of some big collapse. You know, I'll keep saying that because I just want people to know that. Um, retail forgot to buy the Russell. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Russell isn't home to tech, man. You know, um, another funny one that I saw, Netflix. Uh, Netflix came out yesterday, 
on the surface of and 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 it's it was not a bad cue. I will admit that I was reading through the details of their quarter. I thought it was actually a pretty good quarter uh, overall. The market reaction to it is just mind blowing. This is a company that's growing at like four and a half percent per annum. If you average up the last six quarters, I think is what I looked at. So you're growing at like an average rate of about four and a half, yeah, four and a half percent. The thing came into the quarter trading at a 36 price to earnings ratio. It's rallied 16%. When you look at the things you can buy out there for a third or half that expensive that are growing double the pace, it just makes no sense to me. I mean, I, you know, like the one I've used as an analogy, you know, go bust, go look through Costco and Google and tell me why you would pay more per, for a dollar of earnings for Netflix. I mean, other than the fact, I think that they've got a wonderful management team. I think Netflix is run very well. I think it's a very good company, but it's in an awful business, in my opinion. I just don't like that streaming business. I just, and these are the things on this tape in this kind of environment. When I see Netflix getting bit up like that, man, I'm tempted to short it. And I'm not recommending to anybody to do that. Okay. So just do not, that is not an investment recommendation, but I'm looking at this thing going, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just wild. Uh, any thoughts on that? I know you're not big on the fundamental side. I'm I, not, if not, you guys haven't noticed, I'm the fundamental guy. He's the technical guy. I, I'm not. Um, but I, I mean, I'm with you. For just from a pure valuation standpoint, I just don't get it. And I mean, I remember back when it was a hot stock, and it and it made some sense because they were they had kind of had the first mover advantage on streaming. They were kind of the first big player. They didn't have a bunch of competition. And now I'm pretty sure your local grocery store has a streaming service. So like I. It's just, it's just a different environment for them to play in at this point. Um, so I, for a long time, I really haven't understood why people like owning that company. And I'm agree, I'm, but I'm with you. Like I think they're they have really good management, and really good company culture, and stuff like yep. it, it. Seems like a great company, but I, that's not where I want to put my uh, my money. Yeah, the other thing that I just is very unattractive to me in this environment, and 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 I think this is what you're seeing here, which is. And, and this would be par for the course if I end up being correct. But I think what you're seeing here is the classic confusion that happens at cycle shifts, right? When a new cycle is coming, the, the, the people are hanging on to the vestiges of the last cycle, thinking things are going to behave the same. You know, the other thing that could, would concern me, and look, there's, there's a price, like Buffett says, there's no such thing as bad assets, just bad, you know, are uh, just bad prices, right? Um. There obviously would be a level at which I think Netflix would be attractive, but in an inflationary environment, which I, I think that I think inflation will settle down. I just think inflation is going to be a bigger story over the next five to ten years than it certainly was in the last ten. And that's a really risky it's a really risky uh, uh, outlook on my part, right? Um, Why you come here for these out of the out of the limb takes? Yeah, <laughs> coming out of like the lowest inflation in in, in history over the last. Break, breaking years. news: Zach thinks inflation is going to be higher than one percent. Yes, hey guys, that's why you pay us the fee to manage your money, right? Um, no, but I just look at Netflix. The other thing too is you look at content costs. I, I just I'm hard pressed to think of a business model that will get hit harder by inflation. I mean, literally everything they do, including union dues. Uh, you know, all the stuff that they're exposed to. It's just, I, the other thing I thought was interesting is everybody parading an 8% increase of revenue year over year. I'll be honest with you. I thought password sharing was not going to be, when they got rid of that whole password sharing thing, um, 
I thought that that would increase worth a lot more than that. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be worth nearly as much as what all the bulls were arguing. There were people arguing that revenues were going to go up 25, 30% based on that. And I was like, you're out of your mind. But they did that in the same quarter that they they really started pushing the ad tier, right? Their ad tier service and their revenue was only up 8% year over year. Exactly. They've pulled every lever. I just don't, I, why you're bidding this thing up here. May God bless you and go with you because I, I just don't get it. Again, also in the universe of things you can pick from. Like I said, if you want to know what I'm talking about, go look at Costco. Go look at Google, even a better example. I, I was doing the numbers on it today. Now, it's not fair because Google has got a much bigger market cap, and I understand that. But Google is still growing at like twice the rate of Netflix. Its margins are like two and a half times more, right? Google will make twice almost twice the amount of interest on their cash this year than Netflix hopes to make in earnings. And people are paying 35 to 40% more surcharge to buy Netflix in turn 35 to 40% more expensive to buy Netflix than Google. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You can throw Costco into it. I think Costco and Google are infinitely better businesses. It just, and this is where the fun guy, you like Zach. Why are you talking about one streaming company? I'm a value guy. That's what we get stuck on, right? Valuations and comps to other companies. What else did we see? Interesting, Chase. The other one I uh, thought the long bond. That's oh yeah, geez, ten year bond hit five, didn't it? Did it hit five? It came incredibly close, but I don't think it quite hit because I have an alert set up and it didn't text me. So, um, and thirty year was up eleven basis points. It's the first time it's closed above five, and it closed it closed at five point one one. So big big jump there. Um, I think that was part of what happened today. Stocks didn't really love that. Um, and going back to the technical side, uh, Nvidia is actually like right on a head and shoulders neckline, just kind of, it's very ominous looking. If you have been, you know, levered long Nvidia that it's starting to look sketchy. I'm sure it'll rip from here, but Hey, and, and then Tesla, I mean, there, there was a flip side on the earnings side where the, the market didn't like it. And they were down basically 10% between the day and after hours today. You know what cracks me up about that Tesla quarter and how hard the sell-off was? I mean, it absolutely deserved the sell-off. But again, I want to look at people that were long going, what did you expect coming in this quarter? I mean, turns out cutting your prices hurts margins. <laughs> I just, I, I will continue to say, man, I, this is the most blind, this is fun to me. And I'm not going to say of all time, because I wasn't a practitioner in other markets, but as long as I've been involved in markets, which is about 16 and a half years now, I've just never, and I thought this multiple times over the last 15 years, and I was wrong. I've just never seen a market, and certain parts of it are, certain parts of it aren't. It's kind of strange, but generally speaking, I've just never seen a market that seems less hinged to fundamentals than this one. In both ways, stuff being too cheap, stuff being too expensive, where you're looking at it, and it's just a head scratcher. Where you're like, I, I don't, I, I, I can't get there from here. Um, yeah, that that Tesla one was interesting. Um, any anything else today? Jay Powell talked, didn't really say a whole lot. Basically, said they were pausing on hikes, but didn't say it. He's right? not. He's not going to say it. Yeah, he he left the he left it open. What what the way I would characterize it is. The Fed has at this point made it clear that the hurdle is really high to cut or to, to hike anytime soon. Like they don't really want to do either. Um, the, the one thing that was kind of notable from Powell though, is he, he basically said, look, we're, we're on a path to get wages down to back to where they are consistent with 2% inflation. And obviously for the last two years, they basically just told us 
we'd have to, you know, have a bunch of unemployment in order to get wages back down to, to keep inflation from ripping. Um, I think everyone basically made that assumption. You have to have a big recession in order to get wages to, uh, to chill out. And as, as it turns out, no, like wages can actually just go down. Um, which to me was obvious, even though I'm not a soft landing person and that kind of characterizes the soft landing. Um, yeah, but yeah, but that, that makes it clear. Like they, they do not feel a, a big need to hike and because they don't feel a big need to hike, the back end is going to do it for them. Yeah, I get it. But what, the thing that cracks me up about that line of logic is guess what the beginning of a recession looks like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like you, That's what the beginning of a recession looks like. I think I might be, I'm, I think I might be the only person I know of that called for hard landing, but also for unemployment rate to, for, for wages to go down without unemployment spiking. I thought that was perfectly possible while also thinking hard landing was what was going to happen. I think most people were, you're either, you know, one, one camp or the other, not both, but I, I, to me, it's made sense to be in both. Well, only one has happened, but when you say spiking, I, I tend to agree with you in the sense I kind of goes along with my whole recession market pullback, lower market prices, but also not looking at some giant right. you know, morass or, or cave-in. I mean, I kind of, th- I mean, I, I feel like there's, I still believe that there's really good chances you see four to five, four, four and a half to 5% unemployment by the time this thing's over. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't see eight or nine though. Like I've heard no. some people cry, client climbing for, or, 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 and, and the reason I don't is what I continue to see a picture, at least Chase, from my perspective of a market just continuing to struggle to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I continue to gravitate back toward this range bound market thesis, meaning, you know, and, and, and in their, you know, inflationary times have kind of shown that before, which is, you know, markets don't necessarily get killed. Look at the seventies as a proxy, right? What usually happens is they kind of stay range bound. And I wonder if some of that isn't just because you have such distinct winners and losers in an inflationary environment, right? You got people minting cash and you got people just struggling, but it's not like a recession where pretty much everything in a recession hurts, right? You know, but with an inflationary environment, you got winners and losers, and but because of who the winners and losers are, that's kind of one of the reasons I don't think we get through this without seeing notably low stock prices at some point. Um, but notably to me, isn't 50%, you know, I would not be surprised looking back if that 10,000 level or 9,500 level on the NASDAQ ends up being a pretty durable bottom. I will be surprised if we don't test it again. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else that we're leaving out, anything else that you think is of no, I think it's all, I mean, right now at this point, I just see it all being about rates. I still feel like. Oh, uh, with some political news, we're, we're, we're off to round three for the speaker vote because so the, the, we went from let's do like a kind of kind of moderate person failed. Let's do uh, a like Trump conservative failed. Let's try that again. Failed to. Well, since we can't agree on a speaker, let's go. Let's let the current like temporary guy like we'll give him the power to do this for a few months or whatever. Well, that failed. So now we're going to go back to. Uh, let's let's see if the conservative can can win on the third vote, even though he got more no votes the second time. So things are not better in Washington D.C. yet. Um, but speaking of Washington D.C., the president will be giving a speech this evening or tonight, if you're on the East Coast, I should say. Um, that might be a big deal. Um, he's going to talk about both Israel and and Ukraine. It might be no, a nothing burger where he just makes fun of of the fact that they can't get a speaker and highlights it. But it also could be something significant um, with regards to what's going on in the Middle East. So. 
that could move markets overnight. I'm also thinking that we might see a press conference by Rashida Tlaib tonight going off on Hamas for bombing the hospital. Right? Because, I mean, she was really mad at Israel for it. So I figure she's got to turn her ire toward Hamas, right? (laughs) Yeah, good luck. Hey, this is blowing my mind. I will say this. We put out, if you guys haven't heard it, we we did a Israel-Palestine episode on Monday. I think it's good and balanced and fair. You guys can be the judge of it. Uh, The lack of the extremes in this, I mean, listening to a woman currently in Congress getting up in front of a group of people citing and being enraged and crying over a story that has already been debunked. I, I just kind of was watching that and, and, and kind of felt like a turtle that wanted to crawl into its shell where you're kind of like, Hey lady, your anti-Semitism is showing, right? <laughs> like, I mean, she was running with the anti-Israeli murderer story even after it had been debunked. I, these are crazy times we're living in, man. Crazy, crazy times. Other thing that we were talking about it does look like, just as a warning to folks, guys, and nobody, including us, knows the way this thing is going to roll out. It, it, we were talking about this earlier, Chase. I think caution really is warranted here, guys, because this is substantively different than any of the conflicts we've seen between Israel and Palestine in the last 25 years. Um, and there are more parties on the periphery, banging pop, you know, banging, clanging swords, getting, I just, not saying I think it's an odds-on favorite, not trying to scare people, but this does feel like it's got the potential of getting a lot nastier. Yeah, and speaking of that, last Friday, everyone hedged up for for the weekend in case something something happened. I think you might see that again tomorrow, but I think some of today's action was that too. Like people, gold was bid, oil was bid. So like kind of shows you people are trying, vol was bid. So like people are, I think everyone realized, well, everyone did it Friday last week, so I'm gonna do it Thursday this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes tomorrow interesting. And then obviously whatever happens the rest of the week and over the weekend, if hopefully there's no escalations and, um, no geopolitical fireworks to speak of going, go Monday morning, but uh, hey, it's, it, thing, it's worth watching. Yeah. thing that's interesting to me about oil, you and I were talking about this. It got bid today, but there's really no war premium. In oil it, right I think now. there is, but it's, it's very, very minimal. Same with, um, I mean, same with bit. We're really everything like you, you could like if, if, you know, if a miraculous peace accord came about in the weekend, yeah, do I think vol would be down 20% and oil five to 10, maybe at the most. And probably sure. I think, I think gold would be the one that got hit the hardest maybe, but, um, so like it's, yeah. I mean, is, is there some premium in there? Yes. But is it, is it enough to even come close to accounting for the U S and Iran shooting at each other in a worst case scenario? Uh, No, not at all. No. Or, or even Israel and Iran shooting at each other. Yeah, certainly time to. I mean, like real shooting too, not like lobbing some dumb rockets into the sand. Yeah, it it certainly. I think it certainly warrants some caution on investor sides or on the part of investors here. So anyway, that's about it, Jason. Let, Jason, let's. You have anything else? No, nope, that's it. All right, guys. Well, that's all she wrote today. As always, join us every day. We'll have another one. We'll, we'll put the regular show out tomorrow. Um, and maybe do a couple extended versions on the podcast, um, depending on what happens in this environment, who knows? So have a wonderful evening. Uh, as always subscribe to know your risk radio, more subscribers we get better guests we get. You don't have to listen to me and chase every day. I'm just joking. (laughs) 
<laughs> hard, hard to land guests for every single day for a daily dot segment. So uh, anyway, have a great weekend. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.